All right, everybody, welcome in to the Cat Shack. We are joined again by Mr. Clayton Bruin. Clayton, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on again. This is uh, it's an honor and a pr- privilege, so good to be here. Speaking of honor and privilege, I should go ahead and mention Mr. Bruin here has a podcast of his own called the TBD Podcast, so I'll just go ahead and shout that out. Um, if you got some time, take a listen to the TBD Podcast. Appreciate that. Thank you, Dad. Definitely a work in progress, but uh, it's a good time. So it's good stuff. Yeah, no, the last episode um, of TBD was was really interesting. Um, actually, had my brother Greg Dow, who's a, a pro pickleballer, uh, pro pickleball player on the pod. So that was an interesting interview. But I know you guys got a lot of good stuff in the works. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man, we've got we have some good good guests lined up. So I, I think it should be um, entertaining for everybody. So that's the goal. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, the, this pod is, I know it's a Panthers podcast, but here in Charlotte, you know, I know a lot of us love the Hornets or want, want to love the Hornets, but it's been very True. difficult uh, to do so over the years. But, you know, uh, the other night was a huge night for the franchise. It's going to just determine our fate for the next five years. I think, I mean, it, it's tough to get free agents, uh, big time free agents in Charlotte. So, you know, building through the draft is, pretty much all we have to do. It's the only thing we can do. Um, I mean, elephant in the room, Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. It's, I, I was team, I was team Scoot. Um, okay. I got to say, I, I was team Scoot. You know, initially I started off thinking that it should be Miller because just overall, you know, fit and like we don't necessarily need another point guard, but you know, when I started thinking about it in the way that LaMelo really is an underrated three-point shooter, pretty good catch-and-shoot uh, threes, and he, to me, he kind of struggles getting into the paint, um, and his finishing at the rim isn't great, so I think that actually adding a, a guard to play alongside LaMelo that can attack the paint at will and get to get to the hole whenever he wants and then be able to maybe kick out to LaMelo, guys closing out on him, you know, he can shot fake, go and create create for others, which LaMelo does best, and so it was a little disappointing also just like the all of the off the court stuff, which I mean, it, maybe Miller, you know, maybe I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I, I mean, you know, obviously the incident in Alabama wasn't a genius move, but really not so much like against Miller, more just like pro Scoot. Seems like everything I see about Scoot was just that he's just like he's the man. He's mentored by Steph Curry. I think that that jump shot. Uh, is going to get a lot better. Seems like he's got a great family behind him, and just seems like one of those guys that's going to come in and just be an immediate spark for any team that drafted him, and just be kind of like a a franchise player for for years and years to come. But I I one thing also with Scoot shooting that people are like, oh we can't oh he can't shoot. According to everybody, Wimbanyama is a seven five Kevin Durant who shoots the lights out, and according to everybody, Scoot Henderson is John Wall who can't shoot a lick. When the reality is, they shot the exact same three point percentage um, last season. Uh, Wimbo Wimbanyama obviously overseas, and Scoot in the, in the G League they both shot twenty seven percent. So, and I understand there's a difference when one guy is seven five and the other guy is a, is a guard who probably needs to shoot you know, a little more from the outside, but just wanted to point that out. I think that the, the shooting concerns with Scoot were a little bit overrated, but you know, now that we are where we are, what's done is done. We move forward with Brandon Miller and 
my expectations for Brandon Miller have to be very high. I think that if people, I hear a lot of talk about, oh, just, you know, the versatility and his length and his three-point shooting. And, okay, well, you know, I'm not looking for Dorian Finney-Smith with the number two pick. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not looking for just a 6'8", 6'9", wing, 3 and D, you know, shoot open threes. I'm not looking for Trevor Ariza or and stuff. I'm, I'm looking for a Paul George. I'm looking for a Brandon Ingram. I mean, he's going to have to be a guy who's going to be able to create, get his own shot, handle the ball, hit the mid-range, back people down, hit turnarounds. I mean, he's going to have to be an absolute creator and, and a scorer for us because LaMelo, LaMelo can put up 20, low 20s on a bad team, but I don't want to have a lot of the scoring burden on Melo. I think Miller, over time, needs to become our, our number one scoring option. But, you know, that's my initial take on it, Brew. What say you? You know what? No, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not going to sit here and act like I watched all the G League games and knew too much about Scoot, except maybe a month prior to. But I dove in pretty deep the week of the draft um, and just watching his highlights. I know everyone's seen the viral clips of when he went against Wembenyama. And I think Wembenyama dropped like 37 and something and Scoot dropped 29 and nine assists. And to me, I'm a big mentality guy. My favorite players in the league are Dame, Jimmy guys that are just like dogs and to me that's why I wanted Scoot I understand he shot 28% from three I understand you know that he may have some um, shortcomings when it comes to you know just being proficient from outside but at the end of the day this kid just turned 19 I watched the draft day coverage of where he had all of his siblings come in his parents and talk about it and you really get a feel for somebody that has a support system like that and actually you know is motivated to not just be good not just to be great but just to be like a, a perennial all-star. And I really think that's the mindset that he has. Um, I mean, he was just an absolute dog. He's, he's physical as all get out. He can jump through the gym. I know everyone makes the comps to, to Russ Westbrook and, you know, John Morant and these guys with insane athleticism. But um, I mean, I would kill for that. I understand that it's not a, the best um, pairing with LaMelo, but at the end of the day, you can't guarantee that LaMelo is going to be here. And the reality of the situation is he comes from a star-studded family. You know, he his brother played in L.A. He's from Chino Hills. You know, I hope that he's going to be here for the long haul. I'm not a huge LaMelo guy in relation to some, to some other people, uh, but that's neither here nor there. But um, I, I was I was disappointed uh, with the draft pick. But kind of what you said earlier, I, I think Brandon Miller, I mean, he was SEC player of the year. He was SEC freshman of the year. He was SEC tournament player of the year. He was consensus unanimous All-American. Um, he's a 20-year-old freshman. Obviously, he had off-the-court stuff. He averaged 19 points a game, eight rebounds, shot 38% from three, shot 86% from the line. Um, he can create his own shot. I know that in high school, they said that his mid-range jumper was his best thing. And that, um, But Nate Oates, the coach for Alabama, is a big analytics guy. Only wants layups and threes, layups and threes. So Miller pretty much just chucked up seven and a half threes a game because that's what the coach wanted. That's the system that he wanted. So I think in the NBA, it's going to be a lot of ISO, a lot of he'll probably get 15 to 17 shots a game. Um, if he can shoot in the 40%, yeah, that's fine. But to me, I was listening to one of the analysts and they said that his finishing around the rim is a little suspect, that he doesn't finish great um, when there's contact at the rim. And obviously the NBA is a big step up from the SEC, regardless if you're playing Kentucky or Auburn or these big physical guys. Um, it, if he's able to put his head down and have that alpha mentality, I think he's going to be fine. Um, but I mean, 
it's hard to say somebody is not a dog when they dropped 41 points when they had uh, your Gamecocks were chanting at him, block him up, block him up, which, uh, you know, to me, that kind of showed a killer mentality a little bit. But, um, you know, I I, I give it not that, you know, any grades I say matter, but I'd give it like a B minus. I was a little just disappointed, but I feel like it's a a good fit. It makes sense. I feel like it was the safer pick. Um, It checks more boxes, but I think for a franchise like the Hornets, kind of what you said, our only chance to really grow and compete is through the draft. We're not getting uh, large free agents to come here. I think you got to swing big. And I, I, I think this was more of a make a contact rather than try to hit a dinger. So uh, definitely disappointed. You said comps. I had Paul George, which I know you said is his like idol, Brandon Ingram, Andrew Wiggins and Buddy Heald. So I, I think those would be if they, he turns out to be an 18 point per game guy, you know, shooting 35, 37 percent from three. I, I would take that solid, maybe make a couple all star games in his time in Charlotte. I think that's fair. But to me, can he keep his head on straight? Can he stay focused and um, can he not get sucked up and just saying stupid shit? I mean, he literally what yesterday said that the Hornets can win the whole thing. We haven't won a playoff series. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I, I didn't hear I'd rather the whole say I just saw the headline. Say that we're you know, he's well, not going to say we're going to be bad, but I get I get what you're saying. I mean, I I don't know. That's tough. <laughs> he's trying to be hopeful. Yeah, I don't sure. hate it. I, I like that more than a lot of the other stuff that I saw about how when they're asking him, you know, how special it was to work out in front of Michael Jordan, and you know, he basically said that it actually wasn't that special, and he was just yep. like another guy uh, in the gym. Which I, I, dude, I get what you're saying. Okay, you didn't grow up watching him, whatever. But like, it's just kind of a weird thing to say. I was thinking, like, is he trying to not get drafted by the Hornets? That's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe that's what he's trying. He's to from do Tennessee, that. so this is like a relative. Not not his home team. I know Memphis would probably be the closest, but you know, staying Gosh. in the southeast versus he going. He can't go to Memphis. That's oh, dude, trust that me, that would not be a good, uh, good fit. If you're him, you know that Wembenyama obviously is going to San Antonio. Then after that. Let, let's say he was trying to, you know, not go to Charlotte for whatever reason. Three was Portland. Four was Houston. Five was Detroit. Why on God's yeah. green earth would you want to go to any of those cities? I'm just talking in terms of, you know, living. Like, why would you want to live in those towns rather than Charlotte? So Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, know much about Houston, but I, I kind of think – I think the Rockets are um, set up pretty well. I think the Rockets are similar, like, to the Hornets, where they're obviously like a young rebuilding team, except they just have a little bit more – they just have, even though they were, I guess they were probably worse than us last season record-wise. They were by yeah, a couple were. games, but I think that they have a little bit more, um, you know, just some young guys that are like, you know, high draft picks, Jabari Smith, Jalen Green, dudes like that. They're just kind of waiting in the wings. And that Sengun guy is nasty, oh, too. Yeah. I know you I'll like probably Sengun. like Sengun, yeah. I do like Sengun. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny just to talk about the, the Rockets real quick. I didn't know anything about the Thompson Twins that went four and five. But I don't know if you saw their story and like just all the guys that got drafted for the most part, listening to their interviews, they all seemed like genuine, like really good dudes. Everyone that was yeah. in the green room and got drafted. I don't know. Except, if they- except one person who literally didn't get any interviews. It was unbelievable. Every single other draft pick, like even like pick like 18, they do the draft and there's a whole like, you know, four minute pre-made video yeah. with the family. Brandon Miller didn't yeah, get I'll, that. I'll Obviously, you. ESPN didn't want to. ESPN, ABC didn't. There's something going on where they just didn't want to be involved in kind of promoting somebody who's still potentially involved in an active investigation. I guess I, I don't know. 
Well, they put up that graphic and it's funny, instead of the four minute, you know, family clip, they put up the graphic of his legal um, yeah. battle and that, that kind of, you know, was the fodder for three or four minutes for JJ and, you know, the rest of the crew up there to talk about, but um, pretty cool story with the Thompson twins going four and five. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to dive too much into the other draft picks. Uh, do you want to get into the the later picks? Yeah. And I have um, one question for about Brandon Miller. Okay. What are your year one, year one expectation stat line? I, I'm all about efficiency. I feel like a guy like this is just going to, He's going to be about volume. Um, I mean, he shot he shot forty three percent at Alabama. He's six nine. I want guys that are physical. Gets in the line. He shoots almost ninety percent from the free throw line. I would say anything north of fifteen points per game, seven rebounds, three assists, shooting the eighty percent from the free throw, eighty plus, shoot thirty five percent plus from three, and try to keep your field goal percentage maybe in the high forties. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I was going to say like. I was going to say like 16, 17 a game. Yeah. yeah, about six, seven boards, two or three assists. And obviously, I mean, he better shoot the ball well. What he about defensively? Because, well. I mean, that's obviously a glaring weakness for the Hornets. I mean, I know that Clifford's back and he, you know, preaches defense. But do we have a lockdown defender on our team. I've been racking my brain and lo- looking over the roster. We don't. No, I mean, I, I want to say Mark Williams is supposed yeah, to be I'm that guy. Yeah, I'm defender or somebody yeah. that's going to pick I think up my a... understanding of Miller is that he's a he's not definitely – he's not, like, touted as, like, a Michael Kidd Gilchrist, you know, coming out level. You know what I mean? Where he's, like, a defensive guy. But, the, but, you know, that he's expect he's a pretty good defender. He's willing to defend. And, you know, with his, with his height and his length that, you know, he should be a pretty good defender. So – We'll see about that. I think we can. I think we could use that. But yeah, all right, let's move on to the other picks. The, the other picks: um, Nick Smith Jr. of Arkansas, Najee from FC Barcelona, and Amari Bailey of UCLA. Any any thoughts on those guys? Any, any expectations you see? Dude, yeah. I mean, I really, I'm all about in the draft. Once you get out of the lottery, if you can find guys that have upside, I feel like that's where you have to, if, as a fan, that's where you kind of have to find some solace if you don't know them. I mean, Nick Smith Jr. was the number three overall recruit in the class of 2022. I, I'm not going to act like I knew, I knew his game. I have a buddy who went to Arkansas and was telling me about um, Anthony Black and himself. He said we got a really good um, fit for the team. Pretty much he can create his own shot. He compared him to like Jamal Crawford or like Jordan yeah. Poole. Somebody yeah. that is quick, explosive, you know, has good handles. Um, he missed 19 games. I know he had a lingering knee issue, I believe, um, but he still played. He had 14 starts. He had 25 points in the season finale against Kentucky. Um, he's a six eight wingspan for a guy who's six five. His issue is he's a buck. He's a buck eighty five, so he definitely needs to beef up a little bit. I feel like yeah, maybe bully a little bit if he tries to go to the hole. But I mean, I. I don't know. I like it. I like a guard that's going to, you know, just go and create his own shot. I, I know during his uh, interview, he spoke about three words just because he was so emotional and he was like, you guys got a dog. I'm going to give you everything. And I, I love that. I was actually probably more pleased with the Nick Smith pick than I yeah. was Brandon Miller. I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, with Lamella, is always hurt. Rogier, you know, Miller may play a little bit two guard Hayward's always hurt. Ubre's hurt. We have McGowan's and Maladon and Dennis Smith jr. But I think Nick Smith is going to play a big role. I, I really, really like that pick. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I give that an A, but I, I agree with that. I think my thing with when, as soon as we drafted him was book night is 
gone. Oh, I forgot about Book Knight, dude. I mean, Book Knight, book, similar players, you know, kind of like a combo guard, just, yeah. you know, get a bucket, um, you know, good athlete, score at all three levels. But Book Knight, I mean, he's just – I mean, the first, like, two is – was this his he's third season? Offer? Yeah, I mean, he, he – okay, well, I don't know. He, I know he had legal issues, but I didn't I mean, know. yeah, he played – I mean, he – he finally got a chance this season. Finally got a chance to at least play some at the beginning of the season and really see what he had. And he just didn't. He just he didn't show up. And he was still bad. He's he's really 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 bad. So what I want to see is us trade package package Hayward and Book Knight to some just foolish team out there who will give us anything. The Celtics. Any, the Celtics, sure. They're making. Any, I mean, do you see any moves they're making? They did half the trades. I'll take any, any, any value, any player that can provide this team any value. I will trade Hayward and Book Knight just to get out of town, just to get off the roster. Because especially with, I mean, well, I don't know. It's interesting because now that we got Miller, I mean, I think that we kind of actually have a lot of wings when you factor in Hayward. I mean, with with Bridges, Bridges obviously is expected to come back. Right. PJ PJ needs to be re-signed. Um, What's the going rate for a guy like PJ? You think? I think PJ is going to command at least fifteen million dollars. I was going to say fifteen or twenty is kind of fifteen to twenty million dollars okay. a season. Yeah, I mean he's he's the kind of guy I feel like would fit in well with like a a very good team. Like he could be like your nice like your maybe your third option. I was, third. Yeah, I was I would say your your fourth? fourth fourth or fifth best player on like a very good team. Like mm-hmm. the Nuggets, you know, type team. If they got PJ, like you don't want him being your third best player, right. maybe like fourth or fifth option. But for yeah. us, I mean, he's pretty, pretty essential. Um, and the other pick, the other pick that I think was interesting was was Amari Bailey. Again, kind of just spells the end of of the time for for Book Knight. I mean, just another guard to come off. I, I think that guy was another really big recruit. Um, he was highly recruited over to UCLA, and yeah. Um, you know, once they had an injury um, from their best guard, Dylan Clark. Second, yes, and he got hurt, and then since that happened, um, Amari Bailey really finished the season uh, really well. So I mean, he's a guy who can he can create. He can. He's a good passer. He's a good three point shooter, and we need we need some of that. Just somebody who can come in and play rotational minutes if they don't think that. Uh, obviously, Book Knight's not ready, and McGowan's. I think McGowan's was interesting. Dude, I, I, I was like excited McGowan. about him last year when we drafted him, and I think that. When he got his chances, he was fine. Um, he's obviously young, but so it'll be interesting to see between like Nick Smith, Amari Bailey, James Booknight, McGowan's, you know, which which of these guys are actually going to end up on the roster um, and which guy is going to be stuck in Greensboro. Speaking of Greensboro, that's where Najee will probably be, assuming he yep. even comes over. Um, I was hearing some things that he might be staying over there. Um for a little while and then come over when the, when the time is right, because I kind of feel like, I don't know, we just drafted Mark Williams and I used to think Nick Richards was kind of a nothing. Like he was just a nobody, but you know, Nick Richards really was, is pretty good. He's, he's not a bad backup center. He's actually no, he's a pretty good backup center. And Najee's obviously a little more of just like a one, a one trick pony where he's just, you know, have you, you seen know. his highlight uh, reel? Yeah. I mean, he crushes the he rim. Literally just dunks. He's like a seven foot Robert Williams kind of yeah. like all you're expecting from his catch lobs, block shots. You're never yeah. going to ask anything more of him. I think Mark Williams gives us a little more offensive versatility than Najee, who's never going to be a scorer. He played 284 minutes for Barcelona last year. He had 39 blocks. That's a block every 7.3 minutes. 
which I mean, yeah, if you average that, he plays 35 minutes in an NBA game. I mean, he's on track for five blocks a game. Obviously, the competition's a little less. I looked it up, and I FC Barcelona is the second best team in the Euro League, which is still, I mean, that's pretty competitive. You're the second best yeah. team in Europe. Um, but I mean, he started playing basketball in 2016, July of 2016. So he's just been playing for call it seven years now. Um, yeah, I think he's a stash player for about two to three years, come over here when he's 20 or 21 and, you know, try to give us 15 or 20 minutes a game. I, I don't think that's unreasonable. He is, he's 6'11", he's 226, he's 18 years old. I mean, just think about that. He would still be a high school senior right now. And he's been playing basketball for, for six years. And yet, I mean, it, it's just crazy. He, he, he's a grown man. Um, he only averaged, you know, three, three points a game, two, two rebounds. Um, I think some good comps. That's, that's pretty insane. It, it is. But I guess he wasn't getting a lot of minutes, and he's so young, so I get it. It's one of the best teams in Europe, so. Right, and watching um, the playoffs this year, there's a guy who I'm actually a really big fan of. He's on the New York Knicks, Mitchell Robinson. Mm. Just, I mean, he gets probably 12 or 13 rebounds a game. All he does, he shoots it three or four times a game. He shoots 75% from the field. I, I, I hope he's like a Mitchell Robinson type, just come in, energy guy. I love big Bobby Williams. I think he's the most underplayed player in the NBA. Uh, but to touch on the Amari Bailey pick, he played high school basketball with Bronny at Sierra Canyon. He was uh, California's Mr. Basketball in 2021. He's McDonald's All-American in 22. It's funny you mentioned Jalen Clark. So obviously with my last name being Bruin, I have a UCLA Bruins jersey. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan. I had a future on them to win the whole thing. So I was pretty locked into all their three tournament games. I mean, dude, he was their go-to player in the clutch. Just mid-range jumpers pulling up, creating his own shot, 15, 16 footers. Um, he's not crazy athletic, but um, I think he's going to be a, a fringe rotational guy. Um, and I think he'll definitely uh, take book night spot. I think he has a better head on his shoulders and he's not going to be, you know, pissed drunk in a parking garage getting a DUI, you know. And it's, I don't even know what book night did, something like that. But uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so I, I like it, and yeah, I mean, I think the Najee pick is a lot of upside. Who knows? I think pick him, forget about it, and then yeah. you know, maybe in 2025, see if there's any, you know, anything there. But uh, I know we picked up um, Leaky Black on a two-way contract. Um, I'm not I'm not a fan being a Tar Heel. I've watched this guy for about five years now. He is a good defender. He, 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 he would be probably a top three defender on our team. The issue is he can't do anything on offense. I mean, I think he shot 26, 27% for his career at UNC from three as a six, seven wing. I mean, he's a local kid. He's from Concord. I have nothing against him, but he drives me nuts and I, I don't get it. I don't think he has any chance to, to be a, uh, you know, cause he's, he's 24. Some of these guys are 18, 19 years old. They're still yeah. like putty. You can still mold them he is what he is at this point. Um, so I think he'll be a G league player at best, maybe fill in when a couple guys get hurt. Um, I wish him the best. I have nothing against the guy at all. He actually seems like a good dude, but I just don't think there's anything that moves the needle there. Yeah. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing there for leaky. I mean, I didn't even mention JT Thor. Um, Thor's a guy who also got a chance to play some last season at times. I mean, I talk about potential. I mean, that's a guy who, I think he's got something. I think he's got something there. And I think that, like, I'd rather give a guy like that some minutes to see what he's got than, than you know, a leaky black kind of situation. Kind of Where's Bull Bull thing. at? Is Bull Bull still in the NBA? Or is he a yeah, I think he's on the Magic. Is he on the Magic? Okay. He was pretty good. I think he had, like, a pretty good year last year. 
Don't average have, double digits or something. You know, I always got Thor and Bull Bull mixed up, which I know is not, I for whatever reason, just a really lanky, um, you know, big dudes. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's. I mean, I'm trying to think in terms of like our our starting lineup. Started, yeah, projected. Yeah, starting. the starting lineup and and you know what the bench looks like. Um. So my my starting five, yeah. ideally for next season, assuming we re-sign Bridges and PJ, yeah. is Lamelo, Miller at the two, Bridges at the three, PJ at the four, Mark at the five. Now that's re- obviously. Terry, who's been kind of a stalwart for this team, to be honest, kind of an unsung, he's been our best player for the last an year. unsung hero, and I a lot of a lot of trade talks around him, which I don't, I just don't appreciate. I'm sorry, I, I think you need a guy like Terry, and if you actually want to be a better team this season and not be back in the bottom four, and you think that you're going to be competing for a playing spot, then I think you need a guy like Terry who, who can pre- score. Yeah, he's battle tested. He can score in the starting lineup. He can come off the bench and be your sixth man. So I like that, you know, Mello, Miller, Bridges, PJ, Mark off the bench. We got Terry, Martin, if he can get healthy, oh, Hayward. Dude, I forgot about Martin. Yeah, Martin. I mean, we got the other Martin who, in our obviously, we thought that he was the better one. And we saw what yeah. the other one's capable of. So, you know, if Cody Martin can get healthy, um, I, like I think Cody. that he can contribute. He's under contract. I think that the odd man out in free agency is Kelly Oubre. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Oubre, I mean, he puts up pretty good numbers like he you know he averages 12 close to 20 points no, he, oh, he, he, averaged, averaged. he averaged close to 20 points a game for us last season if i'm not mistaken really he because there's nobody I, out i mean i believe but, you I, I didn't follow it that that closely once we no. had nobody you know he definitely averaged more than 15 a game and once we had nobody out there you know everybody was hurt Dude, you're right yeah i mean he played sp- sparingly but uh yeah he averaged 20.2 um Points per game when he plays. I mean, it's insane, but I think that he and he's pretty inefficient. You talk about efficiency. Yeah, his, the guy shoots 31. about thirty-one percent. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, and I think that when you know when you bring in Miller, you've got Bridges, you've got Hayward under contract. You're going to bring back PJ. You've got Martin. You've got a lot of wings, and I think that Ubre is the, probably the kind of guy who. Well, I like Ubre, and I think he's seems like a cool guy, and he likes Charlotte. Um, now if we could keep him for you know, 10 million a year or less, which I just don't think is going to happen, then I'm happy with that. But I think that there's some team out there who's looking for a proven commodity, somebody they can trust, and they'll go out there and, and take Ubre. So I think that's what the lineup looks like. I, I think What's maybe, he with Dwight Howard on now? He's on the, like, he was in Taiwan. Tigers or something like that. He yeah, he's playing loves Taiwan. Kelly Ubre, if you know what I mean. That guy's obsessed with <laughs> Kelly Ubre. Um, yeah. I think he's he's recruiting him pretty hard, so. He might, he might get him. Yeah. He might get him. Well, you never know. But I, I think Ubre is gone. Um, and then I think maybe if you wanted to change things up, potentially bring PJ off the bench, or my, you know, after everything Miles has done, and PJ is another guy who's kind of been underrated. Now he's not great, but he's been pretty consistently solid for this team for a couple of years now. So maybe you go mellow, mellow Terry. Miller at the three, PJ or Bridges at the four, and then Mark at the five. I think there's a couple different ways you could do it. What would you do? Honestly, I like Rozier as a six man. I think Rozier could win six man of the year if he comes off the bench. I I, I legitimately think that. Yeah. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to have a point to prove. Um, I still think he's going to average 20-ish points a game. Um, I'm with you. I'd go LaMelo, 
Miller at the two, which is, I mean, it's a six, nine cat at the two guard is, is crazy. Um, I would probably go, they're probably going to do Hayward at the, at the, at the three, if he's healthy, um, kind of with, with what you said, just with everything that Bridges has been Please, through. Please, no. I, I, if I had it my way, I'd go Bridges at the three, PJ at the four, Mark at the five. So I would do the exact same thing you yeah. said. Um, I just don't know if they're going to go with Hayward just because of, um, you know, his character to start the year. But um, Yo, he's he, also suspended. Who? I forgot about that. So Bridges, they actually made a ruling um, on the on on the um, suspension, but they like, yeah. you know, factored in all the time he missed last season. So he's suspended for, I want to say the first like 13 games, something okay. like that about huh. 10, 13 games for next season. So I guess Hayward will definitely start the season. Yeah. What are your thoughts on a guy like Dennis Smith jr? Where do you see him um, fitting in? Uh, I mean, I definitely think we, we need a backup point guard and Dennis Smith jr. Actually kind of came in here and I think it was a good story for both sides. Um, where he kind of revived his career a little bit, and he, you know, we he filled a a void for us. But I, I think that, you know, in terms of like guys we go after in free agency, I'd I'd much rather see us go out and get a guy like Gabe Vincent, um, oh, to run that backup guard role. I think he can shoot. I think that he's a much better, you know, obviously would be more expensive than Dennis Smith Jr. But I think the two guys that I look at that I really want us to sign in free agency. Um, to solidify that backcourt, if you don't trust, if you don't trust Nick Smith and James Booknight and all these guys to be ready yet, um, I think Seth Curry and Gabe Vincent are two guys that we have to go after and would really. Seth Curry is one of the most underrated players in the league. He's very good. He's he very good. An average 12, 13 a game for us, shoot 40% from three and at least be a threat, open the floor a little bit to get mellow, let mellow get to the rack, let Miller create a little bit. I think I yeah, I think Curry and Vincent are two like kind of realistic, you know, Charlotte Hornets type signings that we could get away with. I'm gonna throw a number at you and you tell me what it means, okay? The number is twenty one point six. What significance does that number have? Twenty one point six. Any guesses? That's what Dennis Smith Jr. shot from three last year. Twenty one point six percent. Playing 25 minutes a game, so it's not like a ten, he's not like he's a rotational guy. He's playing a decent amount of the game. Um, that's shocking. I know that shooting wasn't his, you know, good calling card. I know he's an athletic freak, um, but I mean that's just wild to me. But I mean Seth Curry. I mean, what's his career three point percentage? It's, I think it's in the forty percent. I think it's like probably low. is. I mean, a guy like that. I don't know why he's just an afterthought. Um, he should know. be on a freaking contender. I, is he, he's still on the Nets, right? He's still on the Nets? I think so, but I think he's a free agent Okay, this summer. So, I mean, yeah, obviously his... Charlotte makes sense for obvious reasons. I mean, the Curry family, I, I think it's a perfect fit. Um, 43.5% is his career three-point percentage. That might be better than his brother. It is. It, it's got to be. I mean, I mean he's, he's definitely taken – He's yeah. shooting different kinds of threes for sure. Yeah. Yes, that's is 42.8. So he's shooting near percentage point better than yeah. his brother. Um, but I mean, Steph shooting off the dribble, pull up, you know, step back yeah. from 30 feet. And Seth's more of a, you know, pick and pop kind of guy. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I love that call. I think Seth Curry would fill, fill a void, say bye bye to Book Knight, maybe get rid of, I don't know. Maladon is Maladon going to be? He's got to go. Right, I mean, he he can't do anything on offense. I know he's a good defender, but no, he's gone. Him, he got him and Makai Luke. 
Both of them can't stay. I don't mind Makai Luke. <laughs> but he's, yeah. I mean, I give me, give me Steph Curry. I mean, Makai Luke, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, well, he can, you know, he can be out there and he can knock down some open threes and he can, that's all he can do. But he's been in, he's been out of, he's been gone from Kansas for what, like five years now? And he's yet to stick with the team. So there's obviously a reason for that. He's, you know, you don't want him in your rotation if you're a serious NBA team. Yeah. He but. shot. 40.4% from three last year for us. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see who the final 15 are. Because, um, I mean, I feel like we just, I feel like we have a deep, not a super strong team, but we just have a lot of these random cats that these three to four year guys that it'll be interesting to see who ends up, uh, you know, down in Greensboro or um, on the active roster. But I mean, we haven't really talked talked about the coaching staff too much. Um, what are your thoughts on Clifford bringing him back for a second stint? I mean, I I think Clifford has Clifford has done a good job at, at certain places, and he you know made the most of our roster in his first stint, and I think he did a pretty good job in Orlando, even though they were awful. But you know, there's only so much you can do as a coach at times, I think. But it just kind of felt like what was our direction? Like we we fired him to hire Borrego, and Borrego. I'm not saying he was perfect and we were consistently bad defensively as a team, but we, you know, we were at least respectable, made the play in a couple times. Um, and then we just fire him and not to move on to some, you know, new great coach. It's to go back to what, what we had in the first place. And I thought that was just a classic, you know, Michael Jordan type decision where somehow he's still calling the shots. Somehow he's still making the draft picks. It It's, it's bad. I mean, I, you know, I actually ran into Steve Clifford, uh, at the airport, really? the night of the lottery, I was oh. sitting. At, I was sitting at Dunkin' Donuts, getting a little sandwich, and he just like walked right by me. And I was like, "Oh my god, I was like, that's Steve Clifford!" So I like turned around. I was like, "Steve, it's coming. Good luck tonight." And like he gave me a fist bump. He's a nice guy. I got. I'm rooting for Steve Clifford. I'm rooting for the Hornets. I don't think that he's, uh, you know, going to be our coach in in three years. No. Um, but you know, who who are we going to get? I mean, we tried to get the other guy from from. Uh, Golden State, Atkinson, he basically committed to us and then probably actually looked at the roster and realized, what am I doing? Um, and decided decided not to come on board. But I think if the Hornets can have a good season this year, you know, maybe like it's, you know, we say we maybe make the play in. We, you know, we win the first game and then we lose. We don't make it. We show some promise. You know, we fire, move on from Clifford and maybe some, you know, good kind of rising star young coach will want to actually want to come coach this team and kind of lead us into the future. I don't know if you're a big Disney guy, but there's a coach that looks like Scar from Lion King, Quinn Snyder. Yeah. He looks just like that. That's who I wanted. I mean, he did, he was, I mean, perennially, what, the three seed every single year with the Utah Jazz. The Jazz they yeah. um, but he was proven. I, I thought he would have been a great fit down here. Um, I just want to get out of this freaking, you know, purgatory of where we've been where we're never the worst i mean i know we got the two pick this year that's why this is huge man yeah i mean we've got to be the six seater better i think that's i mean i feel like that's realistic maybe that's a little punching above our weight but there's there's some pretty solid teams in the east or if we're in that seven to ten slot we got to make it out we have to at least play a series i feel like that's that has to be the goal not just getting in the play-in and you know blazing out like we've done the last couple years um but it's tough, man. I mean, I've lived here since 2004 and I remember back when I had the Bobcats and, you know, 
the uh, best memories that we have is purple shirt guy going nuts against the heat like six or seven years ago. And we lost in the game seven. And then Josh McRoberts like elbowed LeBron in the face and dunked on him or something like that. I mean, is that really what we're pulling from? We haven't won a, a playoff yes. series. When's the last time the Hornets have won a playoff series? Uh, I would assume in the early nineties. Okay, well, I was gonna say before, uh, like in the in the original Hornets stint. Playoff. I mean this this version of the of the Hornets slash Bobcats has never won a playoff series. As, yeah. Oh, I know as far that. as I know, right? That's insane. Um, okay. So, yeah. So I guess they won. The last time Charlotte won a playoff series, the franchise left for New Orleans the following season. So I guess they won a playoff series in 2002, 2003. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Um, I was I was like four we have, years old. Yeah, right. Um, it says all time we have a 23 total wins uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. And we've been a franchise since 88. Dang. I mean, that's, that's crazy. So... Yeah, man. Miller Miller's gonna turn it around. Yeah, he might. He, he might. May, He's I... got to be great. That's why. I'm, that's why my expectations are high. Even if we have the worst record in the league next season, you know, it's no guarantee you're even gonna be in the top five. So, this is huge. We got we got pretty lucky with number two. Obviously, we wanted to have number one, but all right, bro. We got one minute left. My prediction for the season is we are the ten seed in the East. What say you? I'm going to go nine. I'm going to say we're nine. the nine. I'm going to say we finished 41 and 41. I like that. I mean, looking at the East real quick, Milwaukee's better. Boston's better. Philly's better. Cleveland's better. I'm going to say New York is better. I think Cleveland comes out of the East. Do you want to do Atlanta's five? better. Yeah, it's interesting. Miami's better. I think Chicago, Toronto, and Atlanta are the three teams that made yep. the play and that we have that we have to go for. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I'm going to go Cleveland out of the East. Give me the Sacramento Kings out of the West. I love it. I love and, it. Uh, give me, give me, uh, give me the Cavs to lose in seven games to the Sacramento Kings. Give me the Sacramento Kings uh, raising it for Sacktown. Love that. All right, I'm writing that down. Brew, thanks for hopping on, buddy. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll get together soon. Thanks, B. Down. Good to see you. Yes, thanks sir. for having me. On. Appreciate it. Yes, sir.